Time now for AliCast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, we'll offer insights about Chinese consumers and brands doing business in China. We'll delve into global online retail, cloud computing, big data, and other must-know topics and issues in and around one of China's largest companies. I'm Adam Najberg. Two years ago, Alibaba made its first investment in Lazada, the Southeast Asian e-commerce platform. Earlier this year, Alibaba put another billion dollars into Lazada to take an 83% stake. Since the company's launch in 2012, Lazada has become a dominant player in each of the six markets it serves in the region. And yet, the region, with e-commerce having a less than five percent share of total retail, is still relatively untapped. For Alibaba, its Lazada stake means a chance to open up new markets and press ahead with its goal to serve two billion customers by 2036. And for Lazada, it means being able to tap into Alibaba's data analytics, artificial intelligence, and other technology, sales, and marketing tools in the group's substantial ecosystem. Alizilla spoke with CEO Max Bittner just ahead of the 1212 Shopping Festival, the biggest month-long event of the year for Lazada. The Lazada CEO shared his thoughts about 1212, the state of commerce in Southeast Asia, and Lazada's approach to growth in the region. Last year, you guys had a, a great year, 1212, and this year's finale is is right around the corner. Could you talk about some of the efforts that you've made this year to boost customer participation and to boost sales? What might be interesting for the Alibaba folks and, and the wider audience is a bit kind of what is the online revolution for us.、Um, you know, for us, it really represents a, a core part of our strategy, where we literally mean that that we are driving the online revolution across Southeast Asia because we believe that we're you know revolutionizing the way both brands and merchants buy and sell, and and you know really really see this month and initially twelve twelve as the opportunity to to reward our merchants and to reward our customers and really give the whole ecosystem a big bang. And the background on on twelve twelve is is funny enough that we launched twelve twelve in two thousand and twelve, so twelve twelve twelve, and that campaign was initially six years ago, launched within with it with about three weeks of preparation after we saw the success of eleven eleven back in two thousand twelve in China, and we thought, okay, let's see if we can replicate something similar within three weeks. So so you know, I think it's, it's an, an interesting backdrop on how. Influencing Alibaba was already on us back then, and 1212 was initially kind of the, the core day of the campaign. And, and obviously, with Alibaba's investment two years ago, we've also included 1111 into the campaign to kind of be part of the big Alibaba group. So the whole event is now a one-month event, starting on 1111 and ending on 1212. And and it's interesting to see actually at the moment how some of the more Chinese-dominated markets, population-wise, like like Singapore and Malaysia, 1111 is actually really becoming already a well-known brand name. While in some of the other markets like Indonesia, 1212 is is the more dominant day. This specifically, I think. For this 1212, what we've really focused on is a couple of things. I think the first one we've done to to generate excitement and traffic is that we we did our first live show for consumers, also kind of learning from Alibaba and the success of their 1111. And we're doing a, a live show in the same format on 1212 in Indonesia.、Uh, and that live show,、uh, the first live show that we did on 1111. 
has been an, an amazing success, both creating awareness, educating the market. So we use the show really also to, to explain some of the key differentiators of Lazada, the key things people and consumers might find complicated because we're really still educating the market how e-commerce works. And then in 1212, you know, we're hoping to, to replicate the same in Egypt this year. You know, how we're thinking about how, how we actually sped out the 1212 campaign over three days because we have some of the, you know, different to China, we still have some of the logistic challenges in our markets to see such a ramp up of orders on one day. So we spread out the campaign over a couple of days, depending a bit on how mature the market is. And uh, Philippines actually we spread out over six days because it's so close to Christmas and there's actually a public holiday this year. Um, so it started already last night to make sure we kind of de-stress the, the the logistic backbone a bit in the country because now the volumes basically can be a huge share of the logistics volumes in each of our country. And the day what we're focusing on is, is really trying to, to have clear themes. You know, we have a day where we focus really on brands and novelty and new products, new brands, you know, really learning from Alibaba here also. You know, we have a day where we focus on kind of everyday fo- uh, favorites where, you know, it's all about the long-term merchants, including Taobao Collection. And the last one is all about the, the best deals, the cheapest deals, and the biggest discounts. You talked about the live stream that you did in Thailand and the other one that you're going to do. What what were the events, actually? What did you do? We did a live, a live show, um, which was both broadcasted on TV uh, and on live streaming. So we, we also, not just live streaming, but we also have the biggest TV channels in, in our market. And it's it's a very comparable live show as as uh, as at Alibaba's. There's uh, there there's it's a show concept with celebrities, with musical acts, with games, with performances um, of artists. Uh, clearly we exhibit some of the biggest band partners that we have. So we've had you know several different bands and, and the team can give you a list of the bands that, that we work with on, on in Thailand and which the team will work with in Indonesia the public yet and to help them exhibit some of their best products. And we integrated into the launch of, of the shopping campaign on eleven eleven and twelve twelve. So it's you know, we kind of kick off the campaign with a big bang. We highlight some of the best deals that are on in the day, some of the best flash deals which are on. We, in the show, educate some of the things. So we use celebrities to explain some of the, you know, things that, that the consumers might not know yet they can do with Lazada and the like. So the concept is very different. Could you just say a couple words about Taobao Collection? I know there's not that much to say, but, but um, it's been less than a year. A- any initial or gut feeling on how it's being received? Uh, I mean, the reception is fantastic at the moment. I think mean, we've launched uh, Taobao Collection initially in Singapore around March. Then we launched in Malaysia in the summer. Uh, and and the, the big market, you know, uh, you know, for us, Thailand, uh, Indonesia, Philippines, we launched only a couple of months ago. But across the market, actually, the, the, the reception has been amazing because what Taobao Collection, and we've done cross-border before, but what Taobao Collection, and, it, and that continues to do very well, but what Taobao Collection allows us is really to get the best from China. You know, with Alibaba's knowledge of, of the Chinese e-commerce market and the best merchants and the best products, Taobao Collection really allows us to get the youngest, the freshest, and, and the best merchants to work with us. We really have some of the most forward, fast-forward fashion in the market. And, you know, I think it really allows us to differentiate ourselves something on where you would really say it's you know, only only on the data versus anyone in the competition. So I think the, the, the value proposition of, of and, and the uniqueness of some of these Chinese products, you know, are, are just very obvious. And, and working together with Alibaba allows us to really, you know, have a very targeted and a very, very attractive option. Could you talk as well about payment? I, I'm really curious... That seems like a much bigger issue 
than it is on, say, the Alibaba platform where Alipay is kind of the dominant thing. What are what are the the challenges and and how are you guys approaching payment to make everything really hum, especially around twelve twelve? Yeah, I think payment is you know I think you you would say very clearly I think it is is still one of the biggest growth bottlenecks in the region, largely because obviously we don't have one market but we have six markets, so there's a huge fragmentation purely because of six markets in the first place, and then the, the market itself, payment market is, is extremely mature, very low credit card penetration very low penetration of bank accounts and you know so far there has not really been one player or two players in the market which have really driven the adoption of payment and and, and many of the efforts are, are very fragmented so you know pretty much everyone has in some sort of way a wallet strategy and you don't really have one who, who will win them all you know happening at the moment but we've you know we've in the past have dealt with this in, 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 in different ways initially you know in the early days of Lazada we, we focused on just making payment available making as many payment forms available and the key component has been cash and delivery across the region so we were the ones who pioneered cash and delivery and you know nationwide and 100% coverage uh, across the region and, and you know we've tried to adopt as many payment methods uh, as we can and also we've launched uh, I think back in 2014 or 15 we've launched our own payment wallet which was called HelloPay at the time and as part of the Alibaba transaction and financial Alipay took over that that head over uh, that that wallet um, and what we're doing now is we work very closely with Alipay um, and, and you've seen some of the activity of Alipay in um, Southeast Asia they've, they've formed several partnerships but they're also working closely together with us um, you know to launch wallets and I think you know once we get to that point I think the goal of the, uh, is, is definitely for us jointly to try the adoption of these wallets and I think there's a big opportunity Alipay and, and, and Lazada to uh, you know to, to really drive uh, you know e-commerce adoption to that next stage. If we could if we could go back to brands for a second, you talked about Taobao Collection helping bring some of the Chinese brand uh, some of the the branding there. But what about foreign brands? Um, do you think that I, I mean you obviously have more than before? Is that partly due to tie up with Alibaba, or is it organic efforts that you've made? Where where are you at right now with with brands with foreign brands in Southeast Asia? I think brands is actually is really been one of the core kind of pillars of of Lazada's strategy and, and my strategy from day one, and um, because I really saw that unique opportunity to give brands a one stop access to Southeast Asia. And I think if you look at brands and again the fragmentation of Southeast Asia. You know, you've had many of the international brands being present or market leader in one or two, maybe three markets, and and there's almost not a single brand which has been, has a dominant market share in in all markets. So it's really, you know, it brings fragmentation to another level. And we've gone about really saying, you know, Lazada is, is not just a one-stop shop for consumers, but it's also a one-stop shop to brands and international merchants like cross-border merchants to to access Southeast Asia as a one-stop. Yeah? So that's really been the core of our you know, business vision from day one. So, so you know, we've tried to work for brand solutions you know, since 2012, but I think what we've really seen, and then we've had you know, successes for the Alibaba investment, but what we've seen really since the Alibaba investment is 
a massive acceleration for that. I think the, the brands, you know, with the Alibaba endorsement, brands have, you know, really said, okay, Lazada is, is the horse to pick. And, you know, especially over the last, you know, 12 months or so, we've launched a, a series of uh, new brands um, together, um, you know, and, and, and really strengthened our relationship with guys like Estelora, uh, that's still uh, the relationship with a lot of the FMCG is significantly improved, you know, the, the likes of Unilever and P&G. Could you talk about, I mean, you're the expert in this because you've been there. Um, where is e-commerce right now in Southeast Asia? And I mean, both absolutely and relatively. I think we're we're still, you know, I think it's definitely still early days. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably see the market somewhere between, let's say, seven and 10 years, maybe, maybe yeah, so let's, let's call it like somewhere between five and ten years uh, behind China. But we see penetration, which you know we estimate to be somewhere around three percent at the moment, on average across the on the region. We've really seen a massive acceleration over the last twelve to twenty-four months, and I think overall we see much of the leapfrogging that everyone talks about that happens with technology. I think we really see that leapfrogging um, of retail. Um, happening much faster because you know in China when when you've seen that explosion of the middle class let's say starting in, in you know the late 90s or, or mid 90s I think you definitely had a wave of let's say a decade where the, the offline retail you know really exploded in China and you had a lot of these international big retail chains whether it's the Walmarts of this world or the Carrefours that I mean they built huge store networks and obviously a lot of the local players. And then e-commerce over time came and drove that middle-class consumer revolution. And I think we see a leapfrogging of some of that. And, and that leapfrogging, uh, you know, you just haven't had that big a rollout of offline stores yet, especially once you look outside of the, the big capital cities. Uh, and the second leapfrogging that is obviously happening is that our middle-class explosion is, is coming simultaneously to the mobile phone explosion and so you know the mobile phone literally arrived when we arrived uh, i remember like the first cheap 3g sub 150 100 phones you know arriving from china you know literally months within in us arriving in southeast asia and that mobile phone adoption has been just dramatic and, and the share of our consumers which are you know, first-time mobile phone users and who have never actually used the desktop is, is, is very high. You know, I don't have a complete number for that, but that's just the key thing. So we have these two massive effects simultaneously to the middle class explosion. And, and, you know, we expect because of that uh, a leapfrogging and an even faster e-commerce adoption than we've seen in China over the next year. So could you continue that thought uh, and, and just kind of talk about where you see this all heading? So here's where we are right now. Uh, let's assume things continue. If we were talking maybe 24 months from now, what's what will we see and what's driving the growth? Is it just mobile or is it sort of dynamism from the retailers and brands? So I don't know if that's a lot to unpack. You know, I think it's that, that perfect storm, right? I think it's that perfect storm of the middle class exploding. I think that is, it's, I mean, if you look at the average of some of the GDP in these markets, we're really moving a huge amount of new middle class into, you know, creating new middle class as, as we speak in this decade. And, you know, we had that mobile phone penetration, you know, not only as a result, but also as a driver of that middle class um, evolution. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost a kind of uh, virtuous cycle. Yeah? Um, and, 
you know, the, the awareness of what e-commerce can be and, and, and how consumerism can drive economic growth versus, you know, some of the old economic growth drivers from China. And, and obviously the story that China shifts into consumer-driven economies is, is very visible to, to everyone, including investors, but most importantly also to government. Yeah. So, you know, having seen the success of China, having seen the success of e-commerce, having seen the success of the role that Alibaba played, and, you know, every government in the region, you know, has woken up to, to e-commerce being a real maker. And, and I think having Jack visit, you know, Thailand, having Jack visit Malaysia, having Jack visit you know, pretty much every country here over the last years, and, and having, you know, formed such close relationships, you know, with the government has, has also really allowed us to work very proactively with the government to focus on some of these pay points, like the VWDP to empower some of the cross-border sales, to focus on, you know, digital economy, the importance of of payment and likes has really you know, created that perfect storm where not only there is pent up demand for for, cons- for consumption from the middle class and the empowerment through the mobile phone to have access, but it's also really being supported by you know the history of of China, where government officials, investors, and brands all see, wow, we. we you know, if you were part of the success in China, you want to be part of the success in China again. If you missed out in China, you definitely don't want to miss out again in Southeast Asia. And it's a fantastic thing for the economy. So it's, it's really that perfect storm coming together as we speak. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's where I really see that catalyst coming from. It, it, it does. It does. Um, I used to hate when I, when I wrote for the Wall Street Journal, when they would ask me to write a Southeast Asia story, because... There was no Southeast Asia. There were all these different countries. And, and I, I wanted to ask you, yeah. you know, could you just get a, a little bit granular? Like of all the markets, the six markets that, that you're, you're facing right now, I imagine that each one has different, is, is at a different level, has different challenges, has different successes. But is there anything that kind of stands out in a couple of the countries that you'd like to highlight? Something that you can sort of point to, here's where we're winning, or here's how they're doing a really great job building up that infrastructure. I just, I would like to get beyond the whole Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia, you know, thing. So actually, my, my, my question is more, when you go in there, are you going in looking for commonalities or are you kind of each, looking at each market as, as a different market? Yeah, I think, I think we look at it very much as a, as a, as a Lego block, right? Um, or a Lego set yeah, where we, we really try to focus on some of the commonalities. Let's say our logistics philosophy. Our logistics philosophy is that we you know, have to invest in more logistics because you know some of the infrastructure is not there so so we have comparable kind of relationships with CPLs across the region similar sortation logic a warehouse uh, footprint you know because we really see logistics cost as one of the the, the challenges across the region in, in, in which the whole market maybe bar Singapore and you know, we really see that our active involvement in driving that logistic and solving some of these logistic challenges are required across the board. Um, so we've had this, you know, very complex network of, you know, 80 plus local and, and if you include cross border, more than 100 logistics partners plus our own last mile, and um, to really support the, the e-commerce growth. So, so you know, that's an example of, of what I call a Lego set. Yeah. So there's individual Lego pieces. Um, you know, which are common across the region. Uh, and then each of the countries, 
need to really localize using the different pieces of the Lego set to put together their kind of perfect picture. Yeah, I think that's the philosophy. So, so you know, e-commerce is about economies of scale, and I definitely see it as a, as a huge opportunity to find commonalities wherever we can. Um, you know, other examples would be, you know, the relationship with the brands, where we have a very centralized approach to work with the brands to also make it easier for the brands. Um, Cause water is an example where we try to find the commonalities. Clearly, technology is a is a big, you know, commonality. You know, the way you think about things like search, the way you think about mobile, the way you think about data, the way you think about AI are all areas where you know it's it's consistent, but it's then really for the local teams to to be hyper localized and, and adopting these Lego pieces to a, lo- a very localized strategy. Yeah, because that's absolutely the consumers are different in the markets, um, you know, different languages, different religions, different cultures. But it's really been using a, 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 that architecture to find that perfect solution, a localized solution. Are you guys employing any of Alibaba's ecosystem? And I, I don't need you to go down really deep into this, but just what's your thinking about the ecosystem and how you're starting to tap into it? I, I see that as that, that is my main job. Yeah, my job is that over time I get access you know, to a lot of the amazing things that are happening on the technology and on the business side of Alibaba. And, and, and I think the, the, the biggest challenge on the other side is to not get distracted with too many things. It's very dangerous for, for us in, in a market which is less mature and a company which is obviously much less young and much smaller to kind of see all these amazing things at Alibaba and kind of start behaving a bit, you know, like a kid on a sugar rush running through a candy store. Yeah? Uh, so, so most of the time it's really about focusing and and, and, uh, and prioritizing importantly absolutely our, our goal is to to slowly and and you know well focused tap into that larger Alibaba ecosystem and to to prioritize very well in working together with the senior management of Alibaba and because Alibaba it's not always our job to to learn from Alibaba's um, successes but it's also to learn from Alibaba's mistakes I think we have the amazing ability to not have to repeat some of the mistakes that also Alibaba has done and, 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 and really learn from. Um, and, and as we speak, I mean, there's a lot of things happening where we already work closer and closer together with Alibaba. I think there's, there's areas like the cross-border trade where we work extremely closely with Kanyao on the logistics side. We have already adopted Kanyao's warehouse system, Dabao, in, in several of our markets. We work extremely closely and with Alibaba um, already as we speak uh, on many technology areas. Um, I think on the technology side, we're definitely working together and, and, and starting to uh, integrate some of Alibaba's systems like Dabao. Um, we're definitely working um, together with Alibaba to, to get access to some of their search capability. You know, we're definitely working with Alibaba to get you know, understand and learn from their very data-driven um, and, and tracking capability to really get you know, access to, to that, you know, ability to manage a big amount of data. And for areas like AI, uh, for example, we're working very closely with Alibaba to, to work on smaller projects like chatbots. And, um, you know, we have implemented some of Alibaba's most advanced AI technologies like the, the chatbots, and, and these are currently live in all our markets um, all are about to go live and, and we're in the testing stages of what works or not. So actually the things we work on together to slowly integrate into the great Alibaba ecosystem are, are there's a lot of work. The goal is, of course, to, to get access to as much as we can. 
You've been listening to AliCast, a regular podcast from the Alibaba Group. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Adam Najberg. Thank you.